0: So, so, so when I, I'm thinking hustle, it's like... So
1: if I had to word association, activist hustle. I think
0: activism is just taking a stand. People top.
1: of color, minorities, existing as themselves fully and embracing the you hell don't, out of you don't,
0: you hustle to get something that like, is not I'm on the road. and not only that, everyone's struggling. Hustle to me
1: is getting shit done. Always at the end of the tunnel. I would just say, action, every day.
2: Okay, we're live. (laughs) All right, let's do this. So I'm so glad we were able to have Javier on the podcast with us to share all of his experiences. Um, And I think that for this deep dive episode, we're just going to touch upon like one or two things that came up.
1: Yeah, totally. So um, should we start by letting the listeners hear part of your conversation that didn't make it? right into the episode.
2: Ooh, yeah, let's give the listeners a little sneak peek of some of the things that get cut out during our editing, but uh, that are still pretty cool that we want to touch base on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wish that our listeners would sit and listen to hours and hours of you talking to people because it's so insightful. (laughs) But since that's not totally realistic, we'll just do a little five minute question and answer um, that didn't quite make the cut, but we want to definitely talk about
2: Sometimes it takes a scandal, quote unquote, mm-hmm. or a media circus yeah. to highlight or elevate things that people in marginalized populations have been saying or have an experience of have known yeah. for a really, really long time. Yeah, yeah. And I think that right now, this whole scandal about the 50 people who were found you know, to have paid off people or faked documents to mm. get their children into school, mostly mm-hmm. wealthy white people, mm-hmm. get, them, get them into school has brought to light the conversation that students of color, first generation, low income have been saying for a really long time yeah. as they attend college that yeah. like one, affirmative action is not an actual issue. Like yeah. that, that should not be a talking point. Mm-hmm. And that two, that exists and yeah. that that is happening. And that because that is happening, it is, even further narrowing down the opportunities for people to enter whether it be elite colleges or elite or again no, I don't want to say elite um whether it be elite colleges or what is traditionally inaccessible fields like yeah. STEM right mm-hmm. so and this is something we've known all along right like this is something you've known this yeah. is something that I have known mm-hmm. like going to school like I've, I've known that Nobody was really catering science or math or, or that to me personally, and that I already didn't see myself in it and nobody's catering it to me or there's no extra programs for me to do it. So I'm just not even going to pursue it. And so again, like this feels narrowing, how do you feel, how do you reflect on what's happening now that conversations is being elevated Mm -hmm. and draw momentum from that? to something like the Boston scholars Academy, because that's essentially in a way what you're trying to do too, mm-hmm. right? Like you're trying to broaden this or, or broaden the access to this field, yeah. to all of the people yeah. that we know don't have access to that mm-hmm. or, or have restricted access to mm-hmm. that. And so how would you correlate like the two or, or draw the two together or use the momentum of the conversation that's happening right now of people saying like, hmm that's happening and we're like yeah we know this that's why Boston Scholars Academy exists yeah. in the first place
0: Yeah. well I, I think I think the conversation surrounding wealthy people uh, being able to purchase their students um, or their children's admittance to a program is not important uh, because that's a minority of people most people are just not wealthy um I think that there's a deeper issue than people being able to buy admissions. So, whatever, let's say that there's like a thousand people total who are able to purchase, like able to spend two million dollars to like get their kid into the program. Like those 50 kids are not the problem. The problem is that there are resources that aren't given to poor students in general. They don't have AP courses, they don't have IB courses, they don't have great teachers, they don't have great environments that support been doing well uh, and that is far more sort of impactful than you know the, the 50 or so kids that out of like a thousand or two thousand that get into a Yale-like institution or Harvard-like institution. It's not, it's not that all those kids who are rich are, are also buying it. A lot of those kids who are rich have tutors, have SAT prep, have sort of like Schools that set them up to be more successful—they have prep schools, they have magnet schools. It's—it's it's a much deeper issue than the wealthy people buying it, because wealthy people or people who are upper echelon of life are—they don't have to buy that. Those are just people who are cheating. The people who play the rules as they are, which is you have to have good test scores, good grades, you have to like you know be educated at a certain level, have certain AP scores—they're paying for that. Like, they're paying for AP courses. They're paying for the exams. They're paying for, for their tutors to come to their homes. Um, and they can't, like, they, like, that can't be taken out of the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So like, for the one kid that I was aware of whose dad, like, whose dad's name was on the library at Trinity, like, he's so unimportant in comparison to the number of kids who had already been exposed to science before they got in here. Or before they got into the institution, and they were outperforming everyone, and I just couldn't understand like why, like why is it this not that hard for them? Like what's going on here? There's there are actual like opportunities that just aren't um, they aren't acknowledged. They aren't acknowledged. It's still not being acknowledged now. I think it's being overlooked because of this thing. It's it's being seen as like you know wealthy people are taking the seats. Not, like I guess they are taking the seats, but just being in a general upper echelon of America. You can buy resources that will change the likelihood, significantly increase the likelihood of you being out of Stanford or being out of Harvard. Or like a lot of those kids don't cheat. A lot of those kids are very prepared. But then you notice their moms or dads are professors.
1: Wow, talk about keeping it real, huh? Yeah, I just loved his answer to your question because. I, and I totally agree with you that it takes, like, a, a big moment like this or a scandal for people to recognize things, even though it's kind of sad that that's what it takes to bring things to light. And especially only if there's celebrities involved, because there was, like, 50 parents involved, but all of the news I've been seeing are about the two actresses who were involved, which is sad to me. But, yeah, it's sad, but it's also, like, okay – then the argument of
2: um, having a platform and having that platform be extremely powerful can't be denied. Like, you cannot deny it because because every time that a celebrity does something it is elevated to such a different light and everybody wants to talk about it and everybody wants to relate to it and yes that is like very toxic and very damaging to our society at times but in other times it's like this can be used to bring forth a lot of pro- you know a lot of problems that we are not talking about and so it's like yeah it's like terrible but also really great that we that these people have the platforms and if they were to use them in a positive way then it would be so different, you know? Yeah. And I, it makes me think about the recent list of people that were involved in illicit massage, you know, sex industry, and mm-hmm. Robert Kraft being one of the people that was on the list, even though there were like 50 men on the list. Robert Kraft was the only one who people knew who he was. They like were like, can't believe he did this. But again, it brought a lot of people to really think about the issue of, of like sex trafficking and just sex labor and sex workers, um, which is not something that people in the NFL are usually talking about, you know? Yeah. And so having these celebrities be involved part of this college scandal, and I think the college scandal in particular is something that, touches a lot of millennials and Gen Z's because we are part of it. Like we are either trying to get into it and navigated or are in it in our understanding how crazy and, and not fair this system is. And it really is about like who you know and how much wealth you have and getting grandfathered into universities that are Ivy league. And as we start dissecting the actual university and college industry we see it as a business you know and now everybody has to go and get their their bachelor's degree if if they want just like a basic pay in this very unequal world and the way to do that it's like how like with my mom being some you know it it just brought up so many issues about access and i think the other thing it brought up for me is because these parents did a lot of really bad stuff to get their kids in there. But if you look at their kids, their kids, like, I didn't even want to be in college anyway. I have my new, like, in specific, the girl, Olivia Jade, who was, like, has her own YouTube channel, like, has figured out how to be a successful general Zer in her generation. Yet her mom is still operating under these systems and structures, saying, like, yeah, that's nice and all, but... This is what you need to be successful, like this degree or they, or this degree from this institution. And that's almost to me like two intersecting worlds of like innovation and new generation being like, we don't need to submit ourselves to these systems that are not fair, one, but also not for me, right? Because in all fairness to Olivia J., she was born into this wealth. Like, it wasn't like she woke up and was like, I'm gonna choose to be wealthy and I'm gonna choose for my mom to do all of these things for me. Um, she was like, doing her own thing. But the parents are always like putting on this pressure on children about the way that they've been raised. And I just wonder if we're coming to a new leaf of truly dismantling a system and and doing so by rejecting it, just by saying like, no, we don't want this. Um, But I also think that with that comes a lot of privilege because those who don't have access and don't have the privilege to choose, oh, do I just want to be a like 16 year old entrepreneur (laughs) or do I want to go to college then are faced with like. 2 million more challenges um, and there's more of that population than there is of the wealthy privileged one Yeah, and it's just yeah. it's so
1: complex to break down how this is a class issue and like how it affects all of the different socioeconomic classes differently and like people are so mad about this college admissions scandal and I think it's like the people that you see being mad or it's a lot of like, you know, people like middle class people who are trying to go to college or even like the elites who send their kids to college in the legal way of like whatever the example was of like buying libraries on campus and things like that. It made everyone mad, like all of those classes, um, because it's quote unquote, like an illegal act. It's cheating and all of that um which is true like it should make people mad but it's frustrating that people aren't people from those socioeconomic classes aren't mad about the issues that are making things unfair every day they're only mad when it's affecting them so they're like oh you took my kids spot who could have gotten there legitimately and i'm like also a millionaire so now i'm mad at you but it's like people that are in like people who are low income they are They should be mad about the things that are affecting them every day. You should be mad about their public school systems that aren't even giving them a chance to apply to schools like Stanford, Yale, whatever. You should be mad that they aren't getting equal access to AP courses and ACT and SAT prep. And, but like, that's never what we're talking about. And I think that was kind of to Javier's point of like, it doesn't really matter that they did this. We need to focus on the masses of people who are affected way on a grander scale than these, like fifty students and these fifty spots at elite colleges or whatever. Yes.
2: And instead of being mad about that, all you're doing is shaming them and shaming any type of program that is created to bring them forward, like affirmative action. Like the the fact that this has brought back the conversation about affirmative action and has had people saying, like, "Tell me, tell me again that affirmative action." really you know works and or or that it's taking away from people that to me is wild it's like we still even as it sits right in front of our faces refuse to accept the reality that is in front of us that is that a majority of people are being left out of access to higher education that can give them economic mobility Like, that is it. And we just refuse to believe it. We're like, no, there's this. And And it's like, no, it is blatantly in front of us. Like, there are examples in front of us. And now, thanks to this scandal, it's like, it has been brought forth. And I I think the other thing I really love is, like, the way that this was done, the way that this was um, brought to light or exposed, I will say. It's not that they got caught. It's not that... Somebody said, like, this is really unjust. I want to bring it up. It's that the person who was participating in it, a person that was essentially the bridge between wealthy parents and access to education at an Ivy League school, was essentially getting in trouble for something else and used this information as a way to, like, reduce the the, uh, punishment of that which is wild to me because it's like, hold on, this wasn't even like a selfless act of like, I need to expose this unjust system. It's just like, how do I cover off? Oh, I'm just going to throw these people under the bus, which makes me think about how many more other people are out there doing the same thing. And nobody is coming forward because they all also have to protect themselves. Again, it's just like this circle of wealth and like, the the amount of money that goes into keeping yeah. things quiet and out of the it red is.
1: line it's, it's mind blowing. And now you're like bringing in a whole nother aspect of it the like the criminal justice system being a part of this as well. And like, we don't know what kind of um sentences these parents are going to face. And it's like, you, I don't know, you can't even really compare it to, I don't know of another case in history, recent history that would like apply to this but when you also are talking about bringing back affirmative action conversations it reminds me of those there's like um a pretty recent case where they were trying to prove that basically i will find the podcast and share it in the link with all of the information but like basically trying to prove that um i think it was harvard was discriminating against Asian American students but using that as a way to just get rid of affirmative action like not like in a very round of finding roundabout ways to like do away with policies that are going to bring up people that that deserve these kinds of policies that were placed in the first place to make things a little bit more equitable in exactly the big mega business that is higher education
2: the other thing it makes me think about is the amount of people who are out there saying this is an issue, this is an issue. But everybody's like, no, it's not, no, it's not, no, it's not. And now this comes out and it's like, this is an issue. And people are buying into it. I saying, oh my gosh, you're right. And it makes me so angry because it reminds me of, and I think I've brought this up here, like the Boston, um, the spotlight articles that came out from the Boston Globe where they highlighted racism in Boston and gave us like figures and very set examples of how Boston has systemically left people of color out um, and created more housing opportunities and more like economic opportunities for wealthy people. Um, And everybody in Boston is like, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. And then this spotlight article comes out with like the data and people are like, oh my gosh, this is outrageous. And it's like, we have been telling you this the whole time. Why is it that we always need some scandal and some celebrity to validate our experience? And also, what responsibility do we carry now that these things have been brought to light to fix them and to continue talking about them? I think that's the other thing. I don't I don't go into work hearing, oh, this, the school scandal's going on. Like, I don't hear that anymore. And I wonder why it has stopped. Because just because the media frenzy has died down on it doesn't mean that this issue is fixed and it does not mean that all of our students are getting equal access to higher education or ivy league schools at this point and it it makes me angry that the conversation dies down as if it were some type of clickbait as opposed to like a, a real ongoing issue um that d- that does not require bandwagon conversation it like requires serious conversation um and serious policies and serious
1: activists to move this forward yeah yeah i i do i think that is the main 100 is the main takeaway from us talking about this is is that we need to talk more about the inequalities in the school system in general and this might be like exactly that vehicle that brings it's like your little opener conversation, your little headline to get people interested, and then you know do what Javier does and talk about things that you care about and say like oh whatever did you hear Lori Loughlin's got sentenced to blah blah in prison but also like what about Betsy DeVos and like what are we doing about charter schools and public schools and how are we gonna how are we gonna change these legislation and how are we gonna get involved in in those policies that are. Truly important because literally I feel like one of the main systems propping up systemic racism over time has been property taxes used as public school funding. And I don't think that's like an arguable point and everyone knows that, but like that's still how it's how school is funded. So Yeah. um, What do we do? And also, you know I
2: think the other thing is to not forget about the children of these wealthy parents. Who are in these Ivy League schools living their life, pursuing whatever they want to pursue, having the freedom to do that and now being exposed as like your parents got you in this through a very unfair method. What are you gonna do about that? Because they are the next generation. So at the end of the day, I don't really care about the punishment to the parents who did this. We already knew that was happening. We already knew wealthy people do this. The real, the real chance and the real opportunity of change lies in their children who are the next generation who can either accept what their parents have done or become agents of change on this very topic that they were part like essentially a pawn of you know and that I think is one of my biggest challenges because I think as we talk to our listeners who are Gen Z and millennial again it, it resonates with us right like we can't blame our parents for doing things to give us a better Life, Like I would never, you know, I'm I'm sure I can find a million reasons to be mad at my mom, but I would never be mad at her for doing something that she truly thought would give me more access and advantage. Because at the end of the day, that's what she, that's what her purpose, right? Like as a parent, like the moment you become a parent, it's all about your children and providing a better world for them. And it resonates with me because that's all of what the Latin parents that are trying to come to the United States are doing. Like, that's essentially the same thing. They're just coming here so their children can have some sort of education and have better opportunities in the future. And now it's up to us, the, the, the children, to move that forward and to say, you know, well, I am I might not do the same thing. I might, or maybe I will back up and go to Canada. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if I'm, I'm going to do something like that, like, I need to be very conscious of how I'm not just, repeating what the previous generation did, but enhancing it. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. kind of the challenge that I want to bring up for literally everybody listening today. Yeah.
1: I think one of the ways that our generation can kind of work toward that is holding the greater system accountable. I mean, I mentioned like the policies and the laws, but in higher education, it's also these major universities who Mm -hmm. continue to propagate this culture of every every person for themselves you know like fight to get in here do whatever you have to do step on as many people's backs and climb the ladder to get accepted into these like Ivy League schools or whatever like do whatever it takes and it, and it doesn't matter what other people do you know what I mean yeah like and we play into it so that we can make a better lives for ourselves and that's like that's legitimate. So it's something that I think is just a greater conversation that needs to be to be had. Because by playing into it, we're just also helping propagate this culture of, you know, everyone for themselves who can make the biggest salary with from the greatest, quote unquote, degree, you know. So I think it's challenging them to, like, change the way that they do admissions and change the way that they, you know, whatever accept people it's the same thing as and even further <laughs> than that than the employers
2: that are hiring people and prioritizing these schools over them right so th- this is one of the things that I tell young college students that I'm working with they're just young people that I work with like your network is everything your network is everything and we have placed this like weird value around the network of an Ivy League name of like going into an institution or or applying for a job and saying like, Oh, you went to Harvard. I went to Harvard and immediately vouching for each other. And I think that that is also so like, I'm all for competitive schooling in terms of let's continue to make our schools better (laughs) and who can continue to give students rigorous programs and rigorous coursework and really make our schools better. But I'm not for the Ivy League league exemption, of immediately just assuming that because you went to an Ivy league school, you've, you've got it. You've got what it takes to conduct the job. Um, And I think that that sacred network around the Ivy league names is another thing that as a first gen, I was like, what? Like, yeah, of course. If I go to Harvard and they tell my family in Columbia, I went to Harvard, they'll know, you know, but I tell them I went to Suffolk, they're like, what's that? And I'm like, it's a school. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it's the same four-year curriculum. It's just that it's not the Harvard name. And at this point, we are so thick in putting these names up as the best and, and not realizing that they don't give access to the people who could be the best. And so we've had to make our way in other institutions that are better or just as good. But don't get the immediate that immediate thought. And again, it's like then we have to work extra hard. And same thing with, with community colleges. So many people I see like have this weird, oh, you went to a community college. And I tell all my students all the time, go to a community college, save yourself that money, get your core credits, and then do what you want. Because it's just a business, and we're like yeah. buying into it essentially. It's it's kind of like Having $20 in your pocket to go shopping, but knowing that you can't afford the name brand stuff. So you get a pair of shoes, right? I don't know where you get a pair of shoes for 20 bucks, but they're just as functional. (laughs) Primark. They're just as functional and they're just as cute. And they get you where you need to go. And everybody's saying, like, oh, but they're not Nike or they're not Adidas or they're not Reebok. And you're like, when? Why? Why did? Why can we draw such a parallel from consumer capitalism to our school system? That is an issue. Like that is a big issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. It always comes back to capitalism, doesn't it? But and this is even trickling down into. Um, there was an episode on the Daily about how in New York they have public schools, but you have to take tests to get into certain public schools. So they had a whole episode about how one of the most selective New York public schools only accepted seven Black students in their incoming freshman class. So if we keep going on with this way of getting accepted into these different what are supposed to be public schools, this the way that colleges handle that is trickling down into our public school system for high schoolers. It's just like, what can you give these high schoolers a break? Like can you give them an even playing field? And it's the parents that that set it up so that they will never have an even playing field if it's their way. But we just
2: really wanted to have a dive to encourage all of you to not stop talking about this all day. Like, I think that that's one of the things um, that Javier really said. He's like, if you are passionate about something and you are speaking it and living it, eventually you will do something about it and people will gather around you to help you. And so I really encourage all of our listeners, whether it be access to education or access to higher education or um, equity in education, whatever it is to please continue speaking about the issues that that you are passionate about and the things that you want to change. That's what to
1: and even if it doesn't have to do with school, if you're in a field like the entrepreneurial field where you may not have um, participated in higher education or what have you, like you see this same problem of how he, Javier was talking about representation in the STEM field. Representation in all sorts of different work and career fields, whether or not like college was involved, and this racism showing up especially as you get to more higher and higher positions in these fields, so it's definitely something that everyone can be talking about. Was there any other points from his episode you wanted to touch on while while we have the listeners? I think uh, my only other
2: takeaway would have been um just about becoming an advocate in I, something came up during our episode about being a self-proclaimed activist. And I think it was because of Javier's um, definition of what his activist was. And I, I think you and I are seeing this trend of all of our guests being like, but we're not activists. We're not activists. And we're like, that's great. Like there is a lot of truth in that humility and that, that is validation of your work. Um, But I also want us to really begin straddling, like, again, we are the page turning generation and we really should start owning the name, owning what we're doing, um, even if it means that we are becoming that person. (laughs) Like the person at the table who's always like, oh, but here comes Lena, she's going to bring up, what about the LGBT community? Or Lena's going to bring up, what about, you know, the people... um, who don't have the same access. So like one of the reasons I say this is I went to this beautiful building out in Fitchburg the other day and it was like beautiful from the 1800s. Everything was carved and they have like a second floor lunch area. And I was like, I'm sorry, like, is this place like handicap accessible? Uh, And like, I'm not, I'm not in a wheelchair or anything, but it was just the first thing that came to mind. I was going up those stairs. I was like, immediately, does everybody have access to just this floor alone, let alone the space? Um, And the answer was no. And I was like, oh my gosh. You know, and then again, I was like, I am that person that is ruining this tour (laughs) saying like, but you know, this is beautiful and all and it's hand carved and all and it's preserved from the 1800s, but you're leaving people out. And sometimes that's like a burden to bear. And it's like, people are like, oh God, I don't want to hear Lena get on her soapbox about the lack of access for a particular group in this instance but I'm going to continue always being the person that brings up the lack of access that people have to things because it I feel like if we don't people will forget about it and people it won't be in their radar and they won't care so just continue caring guys like just continue caring everybody Yeah.
1: (laughs) yeah you have to Yeah, tweet at us. We want to be more active on social media. Share with us what you care about. If it's something you talk about all the time, you know, email us. (laughs) Activists. Yeah, whatever. Instagram, message us. (laughs) Just find us and let us know, like, what you care about and, you know, we'll talk about it because that's what we do. Yeah, what have we
2: left out in two seasons of The Activist Hustle? What is something we haven't touched upon? I would love to hear from somebody about that so that we can highlight their issues and learn through them.
1: Yeah. Details in the description of the episode. Great. Well,
2: until next time, Rachel, do you want to give us a little teaser what we've got coming next uh, for the rest of the season or maybe just for next episode? Or do we want to leave them all Let's waiting? let just
1: leave them wondering. We'll prom- we promise it'll be good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Love it. All right, until next time. And we're going to take a moment to thank everybody who made this podcast possible, starting with you, the listener. Without you, there would be no us. I'd also like to thank the Activist Hustle team, starting with Rachel Sullivan, your producer and director, Aaron Taylor, our producer and editor, Brandon Rush, our creator, Amina Chandani for your creative logos and constant creative input. The Yard for lending us your space to record. And a final shout out to Blueprint Leadership. If this episode has at all inspired you to take action, remember, we have support for you. Blueprint is a leadership program made by young activists for young activists. Check out blueprintldc.com services and see how we can support you on your activist hustle.